You know what? We just finished a series called Grow Right. We were talking all about what it means to stand in the very glory of our God, basking in His glory, nothing between us and Him, and being transformed. Grow Right. That's what we were talking about. That's, it was last six, seven weeks. Well, so then what? Let's say I start growing right. Let's say I start spiritually breathing. I'm getting me out of the way. I'm getting more of him in and I begin to be. Now what do I do? Next step, let the spirit lead. And we're starting in a series here called Faith Walk. So, so where do I go next and, and how do I take these steps with him? And Lord, may you guide me as I move along in this world and may you be the center of my attention. I want to celebrate you with my life. Faith walk. That's where we're heading over the next number of weeks here, all right? We're going to be coming out of this, uh, the story of Abraham, Genesis 12 through 17. I'm really excited to get into this, to be able to learn some practical steps for you and me about daily living. We've got the spiritual breathing down. Now let's start doing the spiritual following. Amen? That's where we're headed. All right, so Genesis 12. Turn with me, if you will, there. The ushers are coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands, and if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and we'll get one to you, okay? We're going to start with Genesis 12, and we're going to go verses 1 through 9 today. We're simply answering this question. Uh, How do I walk by faith? How do I follow God's plan? What should that look like? Okay? Genesis 12, 1 through 9. Let me just read the first piece here. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. First step, discern where God is leading. If we're going to let God lead... Uh, We need to discern where God is leading. How do we do that? What's that look like? How how are we going to go about that? Well, let's just walk through this piece here. Notice it says, now the Lord said to Abram. All right. God gets involved. Okay. Context. Why is God getting involved? What happened in Genesis 11 that would make God in Genesis 12 say something? Okay, in Genesis 11, we have the Tower of Babel going on. We have mankind all rallying together, and there's sort of this this massive resistance, and this this we're going to make a greatness of ourselves, and and God steps in and spreads out, and confuses, and gives language differences, and the nations have been spread. Genesis 11, and then the Lord said to Abram. And he follows through with a sequence of things which end with the promise. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Hope statement. We have a God who loves. And we have a God who works with. And the number one statement we need to hear in this is that in the midst of the separating, God is also going to be bringing back together. But he's not bringing together based on the greatness of mankind. He's bringing together based on the greatness of our God. Amen? That's context. Okay? So let's keep that context in mind as we read. Here we go. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Uh, This word in the Hebrew literally means uh, he talked to him. He he said some things. 
There was some audible stuff going on and Abram did some hearing. Abram got to hear this statement. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now remember in chapter 11, there was the disbursement. The one thing that people had now was family, kindred, go from them, okay? The culture had kind of been now set up to protect your family. Stay with them. That's the thing you've got. And God gives Abram two commands. The first is go with the attached details from your country, you know, the place you know and are comfortable with. From your kindred, you know, the people you know and are comfortable with. And from your father's house, you know, the place that you're comfortable with. Leave all that and go to the land that I will show you. I need you to step out, Abram. We've got some things to go through. Here we go. Take a step with me. First command is go. Just so you know, the other command comes at the end of verse 2. He says, God comes in with a promise. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And then it says, so that you will be a blessing. Now in the Hebrew, this actually is a command. It's in the imperative form. It says, I'm going to do the following things. Command for you. Be a blessing. So go and be a blessing. In the imperative. Do this. Just be a blessing. All right. That's Abram's command. That's the call from God. That's the fix to the chapter 11 problem is wrap it all together. I'm going to send you just go and along the way be a blessing. All right. Abram's command. God's task. Like what's God agreeing to do? Well, at the end of verse one there, he says, I will show you the land you need. There's going to be some very specific leading along the way. I will show you. Notice what he's really saying is not, look, here's the deal. Pull out a map. Okay, you got the map? Good deal. All right. Now, now that you got the map, take a look. We're going to go up the river this way, and then we're going to hang a left after you get up here, and then you're going to come. He didn't do that, right? What he said was, don't worry, I'll show you. Basically, there's this mist out in front of you as to where you're headed. Not for God, but for you. And this mist that's flowing out in front of you pulls back just enough to show you the next step or two and you can take that step and there might even be a little bit of a choice in the step but there's that step and and then there's mist right and then you're standing there and you're like now what and then 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 it pulls back and step welcome to the faith walk this is what a faith walk is it's beginning to move along step by step as god reveals and pulls back the mist And makes open an opportunity or an obvious step. Take it. Faith walk. I will show you the land that you should go to. Next thing he promises. I will make of you a great nation. You're going to have kids. And your kids are going to have kids. And those kids are going to have kids. And there's going to be kids everywhere. You're going to have a nation. Okay? That wouldn't necessarily... I'm not sure if I'd be happy hearing that, but Abraham was very happy, right? Tim, you're going to have a nation. Oh my word. Can I, can I father that name? How am I going to do it? Abraham's got a promise of extreme blessing of children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and all the rest. He says, and make your name great. It's more than just a lot of people. Things are going to go well. There's going to be possessions. There's going to be things where people will look at you and say, wow. 
make your name great. You know, people are going to go, look at how he's blessed. God is going to make himself obvious through the blessing that's lavished upon Abraham. And then to the command again that we talked about. So uh, be a blessing. Okay, Abram, that's your job. Verse 3, God continues, I will bless those who bless you and he and him who dishonors you, I will curse. I'm going to be actively involved with those around you. And I'm telling you, if they're with you, I'm with them. And if they're not, they got some troubles. They've got me to deal with. I will be your protector. Trust me in this. Let's walk together. God's promise of a walk is a promise of his participation with us. He then says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the first allusion to Jesus Christ. Did you know that? That's how all the families of the earth are blessed. Because through Abram and his seed, we end up having the very Messiah, Jesus Christ, born. And Jesus and his shed blood for you and for me is our replacement payment. He's saying, I want you to understand every single person in all the world will be blessed through you. Now, think about it. If you look at this promise, how's that possible? Like, I'm going to bless your family. Okay, I get that. So if they're in my family bloodline, they'll be blessed. And if they bless me, they'll be blessed. But if they curse me, they'll be... How can all families be blessed? Because of the opportunity to be adopted as sons into the very relationship with God Almighty. We have a privilege through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. A, a chance to have relationship with him that can last for all eternity. Now that's a blessing. Amen. Uh, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I've got plans here, Abram. You wouldn't believe the plans I've got. And Abram, I really think this is what Abram knew. I don't know. I just know I'm supposed to get my stick and my people and my stuff and we're moving. I think that's what he knew. Uh, do you think he sat there and went, oh, I'll bet he's alluding to uh, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's going to come. It'll be written about later. And it, that's not where he's at, right? It's just stop. That's what he knew. The faith walk. That's where you and I are at every day of our life, aren't we? The mist and the what's next. And the Lord, where would you have me to go? And what are you doing? And how can I work with you? And faith walk. You know, a couple notes as we look back at these few verses. First of all, note, God spoke. Abraham was listening. He heard. Okay? We have to make sure that we are watching God, listening to God. You know, we talked about in the Grow Right series, this spiritual breathing, this getting me out of the way and making you completely open to move in my life and may your glory just pour upon me and can I bask in that, Lord? And from there, you're going to be hearing well. It's spirit-filled. It's God at work in me. Make sure we're listening to God. That's the first note. Second, notice that, as we already talked about, the directions involved one step at a time. One step at a time. Why doesn't God just tell me the nine steps ahead? I mean, we talked about this before, right? Why not just show me the nine stepping stones I need to walk on? You know why? Because this is what we do. Right there, those. Those nine. Right there. Got it. And then we just go ourselves. And all of a sudden, I'm not even looking at them. 
and it's all about me and I've just run ahead and why doesn't he because it's about trusting him and growing in him and leaning on him it's about a faith in him not in myself so God shows us one step at a time okay God said let's deal with that for a little bit the will of God just a couple of things to know about the will of God, all right? I, I, let's put it this way. There are three aspects to the will of God, okay? First, there's God's moral will. There's God's moral will. What he really says wants done. This, this is my desires. These are the things that match my character. God's moral will. You can find his moral will in the scriptures, right here. Everything he wants done. He, love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Be thankful. Be hopeful. Be saved. Be sanctified. Things that are true for all people and things that match with his character. That's God's moral will. Okay? It's absolutely what he would desire to have done. It matches him. And it's true for all of us. God's moral will. Okay? There's a second type of will, God's individual will, okay? I'm going to be very careful when I say this, so everybody listening, God's individual will. It's, it's a dot. Sometimes. It's specific. Sometimes. Maybe I could even put, rarely? We have to be careful. We start to live life where we see Abraham spoken to. It says, God said, and we're like, see, so God's going to speak to me. And I wake up today and I'm like, what t-shirt should I put on? God didn't say, hang on. Maybe, maybe I need to wait a little longer. Maybe I need to clear that. Be careful, right? Remember, Abraham was, and we'll see it in the next couple of verses, 75 years old when this happened. First recorded time that God said to him. So be careful. God's will for us, his individual will that he has for you and for me. Does God have some specific things for us? Yes. There are some specific things that he has for you and for me. Ephesians 2.10. He's designed us. He's, he's master crafted us. And there are some good works that he's designed for you. He's prepared them in advance. But be careful. It doesn't mean every single thing of every day in every area of your life at all costs. It means some things. Throughout life, God's got specifically designed that he needs you, wants you to be a part of for your growth. Remember when I say need, it's not for him. It's for your purpose of being able to reflect his glory. Why is that so important to say his individual will that way? Well, here's a couple other pieces to it. His specific plans for you and me are not an Easter egg hunt. Think of it that way. I mean, how often I, we're sitting here hunting around and like, I can't figure out what God wants. I can't find that Easter egg of the specific will. And, and there's a couple options ahead of me. And which is it that, and nothing is really coming out and cluing me into, just know this, God's desire, never do you find in scripture, actually, find God's will. You don't find that phrase. You do find do God's will. Okay. Here's the deal. God is totally expecting us to execute the revealed will of God. And trust me, if he wants you to be doing something very specific, oh, will he reveal it 
Okay, it's going to be made known. The issue is not, it's not clear. The issue is, am I going to obey? All right, God's specific will. This is a big deal. Now, some of us have grown up in churches, and that includes me, where we were taught every single thing in our lives, very specific will. But do we really see that in scripture? Or do we see there's moments where God steps in and has a specific challenge? And then there's other times where he says, let's celebrate the choice. Let's work together and grow together. And I'm going to offer you some opportunities. And together we're going to choose and move. And and some of you are like, hang on. I thought God was like sovereignly in charge of everything. Good. So let's step to that for a second. We have God's moral will. We have God's individual will. God's sovereign will laying over the whole of it all. Never thwarted. Do you hear me? It's God's sovereign will. Always happens as stated. God's sovereign will. Well, how do I know what God's sovereign will is? Turn around and look behind you. Everything that happened is God's sovereign will. Okay? Well, what about the future? I don't know. We'll find out in a second. Hang on. Now, now we know what God's sovereign will was, all right? God's sovereignly in charge of everything. Everything runs through his fingers. Hear it this way. He lovingly, passionately, fully, greatly is involved in your life, but not controllingly to where he says every specific act and event you must do like, but rather where he says, I do have some things planned. And then I also want you to be choosing and moving, not unlike a parent raising a child. It doesn't mean he's not watching over. It doesn't mean his hands aren't fully protecting and it has to run through his hands. But it does mean he won't absolutely make happen whatever always. Well, how do we know that? Well, Second Peter 3.9 says that he wills that everyone would be saved. Let that settle for a second. Second Peter 3.9. He wills that everyone would be saved. And the word will is used there. And yet, not everyone is saved. Because he does allow his moral will to sit underneath his sovereign will. And he works with our will in the midst. Okay? God's sovereign hand watching over all. Tim, this is pretty big stuff. Like, I'm not sure I can get my arms around it. That's because we're not God. Right? Can we all just like, I'm not God. Just say that with me. I'm not God. Oh, good. Revelation, right? For some of us, we're like, wait a minute, is that true for me? No, it better. It's clear, right? I'm not God. I don't get the whole of it. But I will tell you this from scripture. We see that God's sovereign will is never thwarted. Guaranteed. Romans 8, 28 through 30. His hand watching over everything, everything moving through. Sometimes he enforces his sovereign will. Sometimes he permits through his sovereign will. But all things work together for good to them that are the loved who are called according to his purpose. God working with you to raise you up to right where he wants you. The master chess player, the one who is intimately involved in your life, who will never allow the bad in the end. He's heading it for good. And even in the moment where something appears to have completely gone awry, he's going to use it to bring it back to good. The sovereign hand of God at work in our life. He lovingly, passionately is involved. And unfortunately, sometimes we just distill it down to, well, then I guess he's controlling everything and he's got a perfect individual will for me on every level. And that would be a mistake. God often leaves choice for us to celebrate that choosing in. Okay. Does that make sense? 
You hear a little bit of the complication in it. And some of you are going, I'm complete. This is the first time I've heard this kind of statement. Just let it settle. Read through some passages of scripture. See how often people are told everything they should do. And you'll find there are some really key moments. And then there are other times where they are allowed some choice. It's an amazing freedom to celebrate God in the midst of opportunities and be able to see that he's right there with you the whole time. Okay. That being said, how in the world do I know what God's will is? Let's just throw these slides up. Okay, so the first one. Ready? We throwing it up? Okay, there we go. So we're going to do three D's here for different things we can do to figure out God's will in our life. These are pretty important to write down because we're going to get back to them. You're going to want to talk this through a little bit, okay? Directed. This is that moral will. God's moral will. It comes through his directed will. You're going to find it in scripture, okay? You will find, this is true for all people of all time. This isn't the, you open it up and it says, Tim, do this. Instead it says, all people who are following Christ. This is, right? So the moral will of God, it's revealed. This is directed statements from God. It's through his love letter to us from scripture. It's, we have a chance to follow hard after him through following a scripture. How do we do it? Well, first read the scriptures And find those biblical principles, much like we're doing right here, where you look at a passage and you're like, what's true of God's character? And so what am I seeing here? And, and no, we could have opened it up and it's it's the Lord said to Abram. So the Lord's going to have to say to me, well, that's not really an accurate biblical principle. What about the other 74 and a half years of his life where that wasn't going on and he was still living life? Be careful when you biblically apply. Okay. But look at biblical principles. And then the other thing is talk to people who no biblical principles. Notice I'm not saying talk to wise friends. You know, well, how come you're doing this? You know what? I surveyed nine friends and this is what I got. Well, how many of those friends know the scriptures that apply to your life? Well, one. Well, then throw out the other eight, please. Right? It's like, let's get some wise biblical counsel. Let's get people who know the word and know how to apply the word. And let's say, help me. I'm looking for stuff that applies to my life. And and honestly, I'm not exactly sure what does right now. Do you know what biblical passages I should apply and what is real and what isn't real in my life? And help me understand wise biblical counsel. Okay? So the directed, it always comes from scripture, whether it's me looking or friends who know and can help me look. Okay. It's get back to the word. All right. That's where it's at. So that's the directed. The next step is the discerned. And this is where we always get a little bit wobbly. All right. The discerned. This is that idea of piecing together through experiences. Okay. I'm trying to figure out where God's having me go. I've got the directed, and by the way, we're not choosing one of the three to use. It's all three need to be applied to your life, okay? We need to make sure we're letting all talk, all right? So yes, always use the word, and yes, be doing this, all right? The discerned. How do we go about it? Well, first, you know, we're told the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, John 16. Let him lead. Let him guide. Let him prompt. You know, we talk about this spiritual breathing, this exhaling out, getting me out of the way, this inhaling in and and just claiming the promises of who he is and going hard after him. You know, Ephesians 5.18, being filled with the spirit. If you're in that spot, the Holy Spirit guiding is going to be a very real thing. If you're not doing that, if you're not confessing and inhaling and, and then you're claiming the Holy Spirit's leading, be careful. It might be the pizza you ate last night, right? Be careful. 
We have to make sure we understand it's the Holy Spirit. I had this inner feeling and this sense of, wow, is that indigestion or is that the Holy Spirit? What is moving in me? Make sure you understand. And I'm telling you, if you're not confessed up and prayed up and claimed up and excited about what God's doing, be careful about claiming you really know the Holy Spirit's leading. All right? Holy Spirit guiding. Open doors and closed doors. Like, how come you didn't take that job? They wouldn't hire me. Oh, that's helpful. Right? How do you know you shouldn't move? Couldn't sell the house. Like, that's helpful, right? There's things that help us. Closed doors and open doors that help us in making decisions. Uh, Personal desires and gifts. I am called to be an opera singer. I didn't know you can sing. I can't. You're, You're wrong. Right? Just... Like personal desires and gifts, let those things speak to you, okay? Let them lead you. God made you a certain way. It's going to lead you towards specific things. Common sense. Uh, Just kind of piece together the obviousness of life and the practicalities of life and make sure it makes sense, all right? So this is a discerning school here. We've, we are going to let the word talk. It's going to speak in broad sense of God's moral will. I decided I'm going to kill my spouse. Is it in God's will or not? Uh, no, why not? Thou shalt not kill. So we have a moral will statement from God's word that says don't, right? Kind of easy. And then it gets a little more complex. I have a job offer. Should I take it? You're probably going to need to step into the discerning elements along with God's word and make sure that you're piecing all of it together. All right. And the last one, declaration. The declared, God said, this is like a specific command. It tends to go even beyond scripture. Abram was told, move to, right? Philip, he was told, go talk to the Ethiopian eunuch, right? These different moments, please be careful. Like I'm telling you, I haven't had one of these yet. I'm not sure how many of these occur in your life. I'm sold on it could be zero considering we have the moral will of God revealed to us and the Holy Spirit illuminating and leading. Maybe there is one or two. Okay, so I'm just going to take a second to say this. This is my little pet peeve. This is not scriptural, okay? This is the world of Tim, not the world, okay? Everybody heard that? My little pet peeve though. God told me. I cringe a little. Because I'm telling you, that tells me it was the third one. Now, not everybody's categorized and thinking of it the way I am, but I'm kind of hearing the, it was said to me. And what that means is, you do it or you're in sin. Okay? Be careful with the phrase, God told me. Just be careful with it. Okay? I'm not saying it's wrong. Because really, a lot of times we're speaking metaphorically. And remember, we just talked about the Holy Spirit promptings and leadings. And we're trying to allude to that. Be careful, though, because a lot of times we're actually using it a little bit as a trump card. And and we are trying to get people to buy into what we're saying because we're saying special word from God. Watch out. Okay, this is just my little world. So I'm just telling you, I'm not like, don't worry about sending me emails afterwards because you're all upset with me. All right. The bottom line is, if you want to use the phrase, just say, God told me, metaphorically. (laughs) And I'll be happy. Okay. All right, whatever. That's just my little side note to see you've heard me. Okay. So God's will in our life. All right. We can know his will. His moral will is revealed in scripture. We can know his will, his individual will for you revealed through the obviousness of the Holy Spirit's leading and of open and closed doors and of giftings and talents in your life and of common sense decisions. And it will be revealed and where it's revealed step. 
and where it's not revealed as this big hardcore thou shalt, then you have some options to celebrate with him and, and praise God. And he's giving me a, some choice here. And, and so hear me on this. Like, give God a little bit of time, okay? It's not like, uh, God, I'm wondering what to do here. Didn't see revealed, I'm going my way, okay? It's more like, Lord, I'm praying through this and I'm wrestling through this and we've laid the deals out and, and I'm not seeing any specific answers and I would request that you literally, like, okay, here's the engineer and me, make a table and, and fill in all six of them and what is the biblical statement and what are my friends, my wise biblical friends' advice on this from Scripture and, and what am I seeing of the Holy Spirit's prompting and of open and closed doors and of, you hear it? You see how safe that is as you fill the whole thing out? Boy, does it speak to you. You'll be amazed how many times you're like, well, it's pretty much personal desire and not a lot else. And now I got to go support it. And so I start going to scripture to find out if I'm right and what I want. Personal desire. Prove that I can get what I want and be careful with that, okay? Just let the scriptures, let all of it fill in and then say, so what does it say I should be doing? Where should I be headed? It's an, that's a weird word, beheaded. We don't want to say that. All right. So where should I be going? All right. The idea of God's will. We can know his will. We can be amazed with his will. We can be in awe of him communicating with us. He is, okay? And so, again, the God told me thing. Like, he, the Holy Spirit is communicating with us. And so I get that, and I'm aware of that, and I'm excited about that in our lives. And let's be led by the Holy Spirit. And where you have choice, let's celebrate a loving God who's working with us in that choice, and yet sovereignly working through all of it for our good. Wow. Everybody say that word with me. Ready? Wow. Like that's a great God. Do we hear that? This is awesome freedom and yet awesome responsibility. That's what we're teaching. Okay. So that's discerning where God is leading. Let me just give you a little example. Last week, I talked about how um, we got the job down here. And a little bit of what went on where I had to sit under my authority uh, up in the Naperville area and my eldership there and my pastorship. And it made us wait and the waiting wasn't fun, but things turned around in the end and we were able to say, praise God in the midst of respecting and staying under. Well, there's more to that story. So how did God decide or, or declare to us, make, make it obvious to us that we should take these steps? What discerning did we use? Here's what happened. Just so you know, okay, a little bit more of the picture. So while we're saying, we would like to come down here to be a senior pastor. Why were we saying that? Because a year earlier, we'd been out down here to do a wedding. And, and we got to meet a lot of people in the body and a couple of the families that were key to this body. And, and we loved the people that we were meeting. And we were amazed at what God was doing. And the atmosphere was a buzz. And the, there was a hope and a joy. And quite frankly, my, my wife grew up in another town in central Illinois, Decatur. And she wasn't real excited she, she was afraid maybe it'd be a little bit of a similar experience. And so we were watching out. We were being careful. And, and we were amazed at how awesome the experience was here. And as we drove away, we were saying, man, Lord, we would love to be pastoring a place like this. And at the same time, I looked at my wife and I literally said, if there's anything that ever happens where this position opens up, we need to move on that. That was, I don't know what I'm talking about. So quiet. A year and some goes by. And there was an opening here now. And so I look at my wife and in two seconds flat, we said, we said, we, we had this stirring. And so let's step forward. And we were told then, no, just wait. 
And so we waited for months as things were coming together on my senior pastor's side of whether he wanted to release us or not. Meanwhile, down here, the eldership is wrestling through who and and where, God, and what do you have? And and they're listening to the fellowship on some suggestions and they're bringing in outside people and they're interviewing and and things that look good and then then they fall apart and things that didn't look good and they resist big time and and they're moving and shaping through that and saying, no, Lord, and where is it, God? And that wasn't a fun time for them. Appreciate what they went through with that. And and then in the midst of that, you got the fellowship up north going, we got to get a church filled with a pulpit and we don't know. And here's some names. And does anybody else have ideas? And and then all of a sudden, in the same week, my senior pastor at the end of the summer says, forget it. I was wrong. I'm going to send you. Let's let's talk about this. So he gets my name up to the fellowship. At the same time, the eldership from down here comes up going, hey, we have a name that we'd like to look at. And let's talk it through a little bit. And they said, fine. And fellowship said, we'd like to go first with our name. And I don't know how it all worked out. Maybe the elders did. I wasn't there for it. But basically in the end, as they talked it out, both had the same name. How They had my name. I'm not that popular of a guy. (laughs) How'd that happen? Because God's moving. And you know, the wedding that we had done before had stirred. And and a name was given up to eldership through it. And, and you know, Ron, who changed his opinion and said, yeah, and all of a sudden the fellowship sitting there going, wait, in the same week, a name that comes to me that I haven't seen before, and we better go after this one. Can you see it? How all the pieces are coming together everywhere. And all of a sudden you can say open doors and an agreement of counsel and scriptures being met out and passions are being filled and common sense is met. And then, well, yeah, but the housing market's falling apart. And what about your house? Sold in five weeks. So, you know, can you see it? God working. Like that's how you know when you're stepping with God's will. Let all the pieces come together and be amazed as he pulls them together, discerning where God is leading. You have a role. Those around you have a role. God has a role. Discern where God is leading and take that faith step with him. Okay? Where might he be challenging you today? Think about it. Some of you, you're like, oh, I have to grind hard. And others of you are like, easy. I know what this one is. Where's God challenging you? Get ready to fill out the chart. Get ready to walk through some elements that will help you know God's moral will and God's discerned will. You may not be in this position where you say, now the Lord said to me, but you might be, the Lord really impressed upon me. Everything came together. The Lord said to me, metaphorically, but the Lord said, you might be there. And you might be really convinced of where you need to step. You've got the revealed will of God. Follow and follow hard. Which leads us to our second point. Follow is leading in full obedience. Follow is leading in full obedience. Verses 4 and 5. Notice what it says here. Verse 4. So Abram went. That's a good move, right? Now the Lord said, blah, 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 blah. So Abram followed, right? Got it. I'm going. Obedience. Like, I will step out. Now, notice the Lord said, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Go from your country and your kindred. Okay, verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Okay. You're supposed to go, Ah! 
Okay, try it with me. Ah, okay, here we go. You ready? So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Yeah, well, now we got it. All right. He followed just not all the way. Okay. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. This is a big deal. 75 years old. This is a, uh, this is an unbelievable trek. You know, the details of it, just approximations on this now. From Ur, where the original calling might have been down in Ur, he kind of walked up the Fertile Crescent all the way up to Haran. So that's about 200 miles, okay? Kind of walking up to the, whatever that would be, northwest, up the Fertile Crescent. Gets up to Haran, hangs out there for a little bit. Now he's heading on down into what will be the future Israel, into Canaan, where Shechem is. That's another 200 miles, okay? I mean, approximations, it's like... And Abraham, Abram was in Louisville and he, and he went up to Indianapolis and then he had to go over to Peoria. Okay. By foot. 75 years old. But a promise. That's what's going on. Okay. Just kind of an approximation as we get the idea here. It says, Abram was 75 years old when he departed. Verse five. And Abram took, here we go. Sarah, his wife. Good plan. When you're going, take your wife. Okay. And Lot, his brother's son, eh, yeah, not so good plan, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. This is like servants, subjects, people that are willing to work for him, okay? And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. A little bit more revealed information. Not real clear if Abraham was totally clear on where he was headed yet. Certainly the writer, as he looks back, was. It looks like Abram might have gained more info as he began to pack. But he certainly knew this as he was setting out. The first thing was to pack everything. And now that he's packed everything, he kind of is like, where are we going? I don't know. Right? I'm really excited to follow you. This should be great. Why aren't we hanging out? I've been told to move. Where? I don't know. Can you imagine? I'm not sure when he was given the exact clarity, but he at least knew at some point to step this way and start walking and he began that move towards canaan abram's faith walk he followed unfortunately in this example he followed in partial obedience not full and it's going to cost him a little bit later on in life you know wouldn't it be nice when you're reading the old testament if you're reading along and it says and abraham you know abram took lot with him and then it says, in parentheses, and this was bad. Wouldn't that be helpful? You have to be a big student of Scripture. You really do have to read thoroughly. And you have to make sure you're checking out what's going on to say, good or bad, right or wrong, should he or shouldn't he? And, and in this case, part was good and part wasn't. Okay? And so just be careful as you read. As you're trying to apply biblical principles, especially out of story, out of narrative, be careful. Don't try to make it the normative it's descriptive to what was going on with somebody. What is the normative? You got to look that up through scripture. Make sure you're understanding what all's going on. Okay. That's where we're at. So follow his leading in full obedience. We just talked about what faith walk are you on? What steps do you need to be taking? Are you ready to step in full obedience? Let me ask it this way. If you knew God's exact desires and where he also had opportunity of choice, would you want to know? 
And then would you be willing to follow it with all you've got? I'm telling you, his game plan is not to hide his will like an Easter egg. His game plan is to reveal that will and have you step out with all you've got. And where there's not this big revealing, could it be that he's giving you an opportunity of choice to celebrate the choice in the midst? Be careful. Notice I said, could it be? There is an element of time and we'd have to be praying that together. And I'm more than willing to talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime that wants to be saying, what should I be doing and how should we be walking this? And let's talk it out. But prayerfully, God very well might be having you celebrate options and moving through those. Okay. So first, discern God's leading. Second, follow his leading in full obedience. And third, record and remember God's great hand in your life. Record and remember God's great hand in your life. Check this out. The end of verse 5 here. When they came to the land of Canaan, now verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Okay, notice, then the Lord appeared. In other words, what it doesn't say, and the Lord who had been in appearance the entire time from the beginning of this request and who was still in appearance before him now said, doesn't say that, right? The Lord appeared. He's having moments of touch with God along the way that are extremely poignant of revealed will. And then he's having moments of knowingly trusting and having faith in a God that is sovereignly watching over and threading hands through and a part of this moment. God breaks through to revealed again. It says, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So we built there an altar to the Lord. Check this out. This is kind of what's going on. He starts out. He walks several hundred miles with who knows how many people and stuff. And he finally gets to Haran and he's hanging out for a little bit. And then he decides, now I know where I'm headed. And he begins to head several hundred more miles down to Shechem. And he gets to a spot where at that point, he now hears the voice of God speaking out on the trip, on the faith walk and say, you've arrived. And what does he do? He says, praise the Lord, build an altar. Right? Can you hear it? That's what's going on. Hundreds of miles of walking, lots of faith along the way. Do you think there were times where Abram was struggling a little bit? I would think it'd be good to read between the lines and say, yeah. He stopped when he got there and said, praise God, we're here. He has led us to a spot that is his plan for what should be going on. Set up an altar. Everybody remember this bad boy. Everybody remember it. This is a big deal. Okay? Got any of those in your life? Like where God's moving, where God's shaping, where you're sensing him providing. Maybe it's even closed doors where doors are closed hard, set up an altar where doors are open wide and an obviousness to step through is take it and set up an altar. Be willing to tell of a testimony and a story of God at work in your life with all you have. I'm telling you, we talk about grow right. And this idea of spiritually breathing, and it's awesome. And it gets you fired up for who he is. But when you step out in faith, and you start seeing him move, and you start seeing doors open and doors close, and you start seeing the obviousness of scripture and leading, and friends who are advising and counseling, and pieces all coming together with your passions and your skills, and and there's another open door, and you step, and there is nothing that fires you up more than being on fire for him and watching him lead at the same time. You are formidable. 
to the gates of hell. That's what it's about. How do I reflect his glory with all I've got? Grow right and go right. I just made that up, so whatever. (laughs) Go after it. Like I'm telling you, it's an exciting opportunity to be led and celebrate along the way. Build the altars to God. Maybe it's in a journal. Maybe it's some other way of recording it. You know, maybe it's the oral tradition of telling your family a lot about what's gone on. I mean, our family knows the story of our life adventure and how we ended up here. And I tell you, we are passionately convinced that we perceived what God was asking us to do as one of those things in our life and be a part of. And we love being here. We can see so many pieces of it coming together and so many provisions and so many opportunities that all led towards this one moment. And we're excited about it. And we'll tell the story often. You have that privilege in your life, where you're going, what he's moving you to. And remember, sometimes you get to celebrate a choice as well as a specific. Last piece, he says here, from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel, which by the way, Beth means house and El means of God. So Bethel, the house of God, that's what that city mean, or what that city name means. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Are you hearing it? Not one altar, but two altars. There he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This altar seemed to be more of a, a thank you, Lord, and now what, Lord? Are you hearing it? There's this combination of constantly remembering what it means to be on a faith walk. And Lord, I remember that you lead and I remember that you're in charge and I remember that you are great and I remember that you are holy and Lord, may you be celebrated in my life and God alter for you. That's all I can say. I'm remembering how great you are. I'm on a faith walk and I'm excited about following after you. Lord, may all of me just be open to all of you. And where you'd have me step specifically, reveal it and I follow. And where you've got options, open that up and I'll step through and faithfully decide. And Lord, may you be honored in the end. I'm thrilled that your loving, protective, sovereign hand laying over and through all of it guarantees that all things work together for good to them that love him. And I'm leaning upon you, my rock, my redeemer, my savior, my God. There is no one worth following but him. Let's pray.